Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my turn. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. We might have a little fun along the way. It's the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. I'm Fred Brummer, and I'm sitting in for Roger today, who is away on business. And we are blessed to have as our first guest today, Senator Dennis Baxley. Senator Baxley is the senator from the 12th District of the Florida Senate. He is chair of the Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee. He's on the Criminal Justice Committee, Agriculture Committee, Appropriations Committee, Criminal and Civil Justice Appropriations Committee, Health and Human Services Appropriations Committee, Transportation Committee, Joint Legislative Auditing, Joint Select Committee on Collective Bargainings. Uh, Senator Baxley uh, served in the Florida House. Uh, He has also been the mayor of Bellevue, Florida, and served on its city council. By trade, uh, Senator Baxley is a funeral director with Hires Baxley Funeral Services, where he now consults. He is married to his wife, Jeanette, has four children, eight grandchildren, and I remember... Senator Baxley, as a defender of the family, especially those members of the family that have special challenges. So, Senator Baxley, thank you very much for joining us today on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Thank you, Fred. And, you know, part of the story you you left out is that you were my mentor guide when I first came to the House in 2000 on my first stint. Well, I think think you turned out better than that. Give me some the right guidance. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind of you. But you, you were you were a natural from the day you got there, and, and, I, and I commend you for your tremendous success. What's what's going on this session in, in, the, in the Florida legislature? Well, I think the big picture is that Florida's on the right track. Uh, we're proud of the fact that Florida leads the country right now in financial stability as a state government. And uh, that is reflected in appropriations yesterday. We heard a good report on the uh, pay down of debt and uh, the progress we've made there. Uh, actually, we balance the budget operationally. We, we don't spend money we don't have. Uh, and those things that are bonded capital projects and things uh, across the state, they're uh, actually in a process of where we're reducing that debt all the time. And also the fact that we've had a a very positive Moody rating that has kept uh, bond rates low has saved millions and millions of dollars for all the things that are bonded by local governments because of Florida's status. So there's nothing a little prosperity won't help the governor under his leadership and the policies we've made have uh, made uh, Florida or demonstrated that Florida's a place that's a great place to live, work, grow a business, invest. And there's nothing that that prosperity won't lift. It lifts nonprofits. It lifts families, of course, uh, job opportunities where people can have charge of their own lives and grow in this great uh, land of freedom. So I think the big picture is good. Uh, the cash revenues right now are a little bit tight. Uh, some of the projects uh, are going to be hard to get in that many of us are trying to get accomplished. We want the state government to be the facilitator, but local governments and local communities and the private sector is where things really happen right here on the ground. And so we stay in touch with that, and hopefully the dollars we do spend will be spent wisely and we'll see prosperity for our people all across Florida. 
And and Senator, uh, I forgot at the begin- top of the show to mention that that the Roger Franklin Williams show, as always, irrespective of the fact that Roger's away, the that the show is always sponsored by Florida Door Solutions, Porky's Barbecue Restaurant in downtown Apopka, Doctor Patrick Saint Germain and the Saint Germain Chiropractic Clinics. Thank you. Uh, Senator, for giving so me that There we moment. go, entrepreneurs that are making it happen. Absolutely. So, uh, we and, appreciate and, them being our partners and letting us represent them. And, you know, the, the, the difference between Florida and many of the other states about what you just spoke about, which is paying down the debt, so many of the high-tax states have, are in serious, serious trouble. So, you know, the Florida legislature and, and, and Dennis Baxley needs to be commended for uh, – you know, seeing to it that we we manage our budget and and make it practical for Florida families, working families, to live and 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 work in Florida. Individually, Floridians want us to live. They want government to live within its means. Absolutely, and uh, that's what we need to do. Just like you have to do around the kitchen table and managing your family and your small businesses. Eighty-five percent of us uh, of our economy. Uh, is we we are affiliated with small businesses, and that is the backbone of Florida. So we want to keep the most positive environment we can. We want to cut some taxes. One of my favorites that I'm hoping we'll make some more progress on is the rent tax for commercial rentals because this affects every small business operation across the state uh, as well as larger businesses. And, and you know, that was the very first bill that I filed in, in the Florida House in 1998 was to get some relief for uh, small businesses with the uh, sales tax that, that we you know, families wound up paying when they, when they owned the building and they owned the business and, and still wound up having to pay sales tax on it. But individually, that, you know, I mean, that's great news that you're talking about that particular topic. Do you have a, a, a hope for some success this session, or, or is that still a part of your overall uh, plan? Well, I think we will keep chipping away. It's a pretty big nut to crack over time. It's become significant, but there is a commitment to keep whittling away, to keep driving that down until we get rid of it. We're one of the few states that do tax that. Of course, we don't tax personal income, which is a great prospering tool for the state and uh, also a reason for businesses to come here. Their employees will be able to keep more of their money. And you're absolutely. And, um, that's in our Constitution, thankfully. Thankfully. And you're absolutely correct when you speak about the fact that Florida is one of the few states that, that taxes commercial rent. So, And and there was a time that, you know, is even on residential rent. And, and you'd be commended for the fact that, that the first reduction in that in that rental sales tax has has recently gone into effect and so that is that is to be commended well we're convinced that if we uh, let families keep their money they're going to do more and also uh our sales tax base is set up so that uh you know we are 20 million strong we're a huge state uh but we have about 110 million guests and they can help us pay for uh florida so that it's here for them to come and visit and then uh, spend their dollars here and and create prosperity for uh, all all across Florida. And of course, that's a very big part of North Central Florida's uh, base is that uh, revenue that comes from sharing that with our guests. And, folks, you're listening to Senator Dennis Baxley on the Roger Franklin Williams Show, and we're talking about legislative update and and uh, particular items of uh, hopefully that the senator will discuss his particular elected uh, 
legislative agenda for this session. So keep going, Senator Baxley. Yeah, I do have a few bills I want to let people know about, and I really thank your listeners for tuning in. So many people, uh, you know, apathy is a tremendous uh, burden for the entire state. We all have to pay a little bit of attention to our government. It it belongs to you. It's not... uh, uh, you know, a top-down situation. The government is there to serve the people's well-being, their safety, and welfare. And so, I really thank your listeners for tuning in and being a part of shaping that by being aware. Um, the, the the upside of a lot of this apathy is a few people can make a very big difference. And uh, those people that will participate and communicate with their representatives. Uh, in government will have a difference and will make a difference in shaping, uh, preserving some things. You know, Fred, my overall reason for being there is uh, has to do with protecting some things that are vital. Uh, we need to look at some core values. We need to protect faith, family, freedom, and opportunity. And if we protect those things, the next generation will know the America that we were given. And that happens at local governments. That happens at the state level and also the national. Um, I work on some things. Uh, Value issues don't take a lot of time. They do take some courage, and I think they're foundational and important. Uh, And some of those things have to do with honoring uh, things that made a difference. Uh, I think a big part of Florida's image that's important in uh, part of our character is honoring our veterans. And uh, I have a bill that... uh, will establish a veteran ID, what we find is there's many um, things that veterans benefit from, and uh, and there's things that they can uh, get discounts on and access to, uh, but they find how do they prove they're a veteran when they walk up. And so we have a few tools, but we really want to establish a veteran ID card, and what this will do is the Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicle will create a ID card and all you have to do is go in and bring your discharge, and for $10 you get a, a, a photo ID that says, I, I'm a veteran. I'm a qualified uh, veteran. And this way, uh, anybody who's honorably discharged from any branch of the service has immediate uh, verification, validation of their veteran status. And uh, we want this to be part of uh, making Florida the uh, most veteran-friendly state, and we've done a number of things to make that happen. So that's one very simple little bill that I think could affect uh, hundreds of thousands of veterans across Florida uh, to make sure they uh, have that proof with them and access to uh, many things that uh, say thank you to our veteran community. And Uh, Another thing that I'm working on is on subpoenas. What we have is a situation where If someone is putting up on the Internet child pornography and they're filming young children, abusing sexually young children, um, what happens is there is a required notification by the vendor of this uh, Internet service uh, to, to report. But then what happens is law enforcement sees this, and when they subpoena to go in and find out where this location is, where this party is, and uh, go in and investigate what they're doing to children uh, and, and arrest them. What will happen right now is the vendor notifies the uh, perpetrator that they're being subpoenaed. And so this gives an opportunity for them to destroy evidence 
that will be vital in building the case to prosecute them and protect these children. And it puts the children themselves in harm's way because, uh, you know, they may kill them or uh, just, you know, do something to them trying to cover their tracks. So we're trying to fix this spot by creating a delay that vendors cannot notify them uh, for 180 days. And this gives time for the uh, law enforcement to pursue this. We have detectives that work on these crimes, and it is a very, very sad thing. If anything, we owe the public is the protection and safety of our children, of our society. And uh, as you have mentioned, uh, that's part of my history is foster children and uh, adoption. Uh, I have a son who was abused uh, physically as an infant, my fourth son, Jeff, and he's blind and brain damaged from that experience. He's now 31. Senator, i got uh, got to interrupt you here for us to take our, our first break. This is the Roger Franklin Williams Show, and we will be right back with Senator Dennis Baxley on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn. Folks, you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And our guest is uh, Senator Dennis Baxley. And he he was just speaking about, just before our break, he was just speaking about his his the son that he adopted and the successes that that son has had. Uh, Senator, get back to description of your son's challenges. Well, the wonderful thing about Jeff is what he's taught me about how much every person matters in our society. That's what's different here in America. And there is a safety net to uh, connect families like ours with uh, children like him so that they get a new life. And and no one uh, can ever express, really, unless they have a family member who has a major challenge like that, how much it changes the entire family's priorities and how much they bring to the family. Uh, in addition to him, because we had Jeff, um, the, par- the parents, the natural parents who abused him also were released from prison at some point. And then um, the judge called me and said they, they have another pregnancy. They're fixing to have a little girl. And how would you like to have a little girl? Because that home is still too dangerous. And uh, so that's how I got my fifth child, actually, uh, my little girl. And she's 26 now, and they're blood siblings, and they're sort of our second group, and they've made great fathers out of my three first natural children, my sons. And it's just the thing that can happen in Florida, and I hope families will open their heart and their opportunity to make a difference in intervening in the lives of children who are in very bad situations. Almost half of our children live in a very broken situation, and uh, they need surrogates. They need people to be involved with them as foster parents and adoptive parents. So I'm hoping that this subpoena bill will give access to intervene on behalf of more of these children. It's a very important bill to me uh, this year. And it was brought to me by a a group of men who work with the sheriff. They are uh, detectives that work this area, and this has become a barrier for them. Um, And I I hope we can uh, connect these dots. And, and you know, another basic thing, Fred, that I always worked on is... uh, being able to take responsibility for ourselves. I have a bill, um, Senate Bill 1048, uh, on 
uh, communities of faith uh, protection. Because what we have, if you look at Sulphur Springs and the tragedy of someone coming in a place of worship and killing, massacring entire almost the entire congregation of a small church, uh, that was very outstanding to me. That's the same thing that happened that started so many problems in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, and it's happened all across the country, and we have literally thousands of communities of faith who take responsibility for their congregates. And right now there's a problem about them being able to carry concealed uh, firearm. That We want to make this, this law, church protection law, will support the idea that a concealed weapon permit holder is authorized to be a part of a safety team for that community of faith so that they can watch for and prevent a violent act from becoming a massacre. And uh, so uh, I'm very hopeful that we can strengthen this. There's a question sometimes when they have uh, churches are calling me because uh, they also may have a daycare or they may have a school that operates there, and now it's coming into question whether or not they can have their firearm with them to protect people in these environments. And so we need uh, congregations to be able to embrace this. What I've found is that if you empower law-abiding citizens to take responsibility uh, for violent acts, they will, they can, and they have intervened in so many situations. And we must keep this ethic supported that we can we will take responsibility for ourselves and others and their safety, particularly in an environment where these people are vulnerable, they're together, um, it's a peaceful assembly, and uh, their doors are open, and sometimes troubled people come there. Uh, also, the fact that they take offerings for their mission, many times they're a target of uh, you know, drug addiction, drug addicts and stuff coming in there to rob them, and these things can turn violent. So... Um, I'm hopeful that I will be able to support our uh, worshipers across Florida with this uh, opportunity, because right now they don't know what to do to take charge of that, and and they need to be supported in this. You are listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, and the voice you're hearing is uh, Senator Dennis Baxley from the 12th Florida Senate District, and of course the Roger Franklin Williams Show, as always, is supported by Florida Door Solutions, Porky's Barbecue Restaurant, Dr. Patrick St. Germain, and the St. Germain Chiropractic Clinic. Senator, your point regarding intervention by civilians was, you know, so well made by those folks who intervened in the Sulphur Springs massacre. It was, but, and and it and it serves to represent the call that you have made to the to the legislature to support the religious community uh, what what are the other items that uh, that you've got on on your legislative agenda well another foundational um, constitutional uh, right that we have in addition to this uh, second amendment right to take responsibility for ourselves and there's nothing that makes us safer than a, a law-abiding armed citizenry that will stop violent acts and uh, we now are leading the state, or we're, we're in our, this, we have a 47-year low in violent crime because of this, I think, um, you know, myriad of policies that we have that do support 
of people taking responsibility. In addition to that is free speech, the First Amendment. And uh, I have a bill that uh, eliminates free speech zones on college campus, the very idea that you can restrict people to a little square and say this is where you have free speech on a college campus, uh, to me is antithetical to the very idea of free speech. Free speech should be a part of the entire campus and the entire atmosphere. These constitutional rights don't stop at a boundary, and, and you can't take people that you don't want to hear and put them in a little square somewhere and say that's the only where, that's the only place you can speak. And uh, I think our universities have have done a good job trying to keep this door open, but there is truly um, a sentiment out there that free speech is to be limited, and uh, they don't want the debate; they want to just uh, quiet. You know, you're supposed to shut up if you're saying anything that I disagree with, and, and so calling it hate speech and calling it other things. Now, that's you know, free speech can be a very positive thing. It's not a it's not a license to riot. It's not a license to destroy property. It's not a license to attack people. Uh, we need to learn how to have civil discourse again and challenge each other with ideas and have real debate. And that's in every setting. Not It can't be restricted to a, a little square called a free speech zone. And you're, you're absolutely correct, Senator. And, and I can tell you that, you know, that, that 50 years ago, the debate was from the other side of the uh, political aisle. The left was concerned about its limitations uh, of speech. Absolutely. And, and, so, and, uh, and so now to see... That's always fought to protect another person's free speech. Even if we disagree with them, I'll fight for your right to say so. And and so today, it is the folks on the left that, that are trying to limit our free speech. We've got about four minutes left, Senator. What, what else is, is on your agenda? Well, we always have to watch the budget right now. That's the big picture. You know, how we handle resources, I think, is a prime responsibility. Uh, my, my efforts right now are going to these different panels and searching through the things that we're doing. Uh, there's going to be a significant amount of dollars directed to this opioid crisis that we're confronting uh, we we truly have a problem with addiction, and we need to figure out interventions. We have about 14 people a day dropping dead from overdose. There's not a family in America, and particularly in Florida, that's not touched by the heartache that comes from these addictions. And many of them, we need to work on a, a multidisciplined approach, intervention, uh, prescribing, um, treatment, um, enforcement. Uh, there has to be a, a pattern of, of turning this a different way, and um, I think we can do it on, on many fronts, and it will be a priority because it's, it's hurting Floridians all across our state. And you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Uh, our guest is Senator Dennis Baxley from from the 12th District of the Florida Senate. Senator, we've got about another two minutes. Uh, what else would you like to highlight as, you know, and, and uh, on the Roger Williams show today? You know, what I would like to highlight is your listeners' engagement. Uh, you know, everyone should know who your state representative is, who your senator is. Uh, they See, I don't have a seat in the Senate, 
my constituents have a seat in the Senate. I sit there for them, and under term limits, it's a very abbreviated period, really. And so it's very important that citizens engage in knowing and building a relationship. And I always tell people you need to be at the table because if you're not at the table, you might be on the menu. And it's very important that we head these things off. They can happen accidentally or unintentionally or or adversely. So um, build those relationships. Stay in communication. Uh, come visit the Capitol. Uh, put your hand on it. It's your government. And uh, where we get into trouble is where government becomes authority in and of itself and is distant from us. We need to touch it. You can't build a firehouse after your, bu- after your home's on fire. You've got to build that firehouse ahead, build that relationship so when a fire breaks out, uh, that's you're ready to intervene. And it's, a lot of it is just informed. These are just ordinary people of citizen government. And they do need to hear from you. And it's not yelling at them. And uh, those are hard to deal with. But it's informing them and saying on this issue, here's where uh, I, I am as a citizen. And we do keep track of all these inputs and uh, try to keep a pulse on what the citizenry is asking of us. And and I will I will in our last thirty seconds I will commend you for for your willingness to listen to your your constituents not only your constituents but folks throughout Central Florida and throughout the state of Florida, Senator. Uh, just like to say thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule here during session to spend some time with us here on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Senator Dennis Baxley, Senator from the 12th District of Florida. Thank you very much. Thank you, Fred. It's still a great country. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Central Florida's connection to news, views, and interviews. Important to you. And this is my turn. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Our second guest today is State Representative Bob Cortez from the 30th District in the Florida House, uh, which covers parts of Orange and Seminole counties. Representative Cortez is the vice chair of the Transportation Infrastructure Subcommittee. Uh, He is on the Higher Education Appropriations Subcommittee, Public Integrity and Ethics Committee, the Select Committee on Hurricane Response and Preparedness, the uh, Transportation Tourism Appropriations Subcommittee, Ways and Means Committee. Uh, Representative Cortez previously served on the Longwood City Commission and as mayor of Longwood. and, and I think of, of Bob Cortez not only defending the Florida's working families, but being one of Florida's working families as a business owner of Cortez Towing, towing and Cotrans Shuttle. Representative uh, Cortez is married to his bride, Virginia, three children, three grandchildren. And uh, thank you very much for being on the Roger Franklin Williams show today with us, Representative Cortez. To start off, Thank you. start off. How about let's starting off with the, the Florida's budget. Where where do you think we're going for this legislative session? You you just so that you know, we've been pre, you've been preceded by uh, Senator Dennis Baxley, a good friend of of uh, Fred Brummer's, and I know a good friend of of Bob Cortez and a good friend of of the citizens of the state of Florida. Absolutely, and Senator Baxley is a great friend and a great supporter, also an excellent human being. And this whole week, uh, this past week in the legislature, we've been going through the appropriations process uh, leading up to the budget, which we should start getting 
going next week. So uh, in the new process that we do it now, uh, the transparency portion comes out. All the members that ask for any particular project for the regions are now required to be done in the form of bills. And for that matter, yesterday or last week in uh, uh, during the appropriations process in transportation tourism, we met twice. And uh, there was over uh, probably about 125 bills that were heard. And then in higher education also, we probably had another 100 bills that were heard by members that would approve through the transparency process. So we're well, well on our way to our constitutional mandate of having a balanced budget before session then. And and that, you know, is not just a, a constitutional mandate. It is a good practice for our legislature and legislators like yourself leading on that particular item is, is great for our central Florida residents and all of the residents of Florida. And absolutely. As, as, as you notice, the governor has made his recommendations and it's upward in the $87 billion. Uh, last year's budget was about 83.4, give or take. Uh, we're in the House are being a little bit more frugal. I think we're looking more in about the 84 to $85 billion range. We're not looking to spend more than what we're taking in. And we also want to make sure that our debt's taken care of and that we don't uh, spend money in things that are unnecessary. And and that that is the the mandate I think that uh, that Florida residents give the legislature, you know, uh, Representative. One of the things that I noticed is that you, not only were you deeply involved in the uh, crisis in Puerto Rico caused by the the hurricanes, and also in per, uh, Puerto Rico relief and relocations here in Central Florida, but you are on the select committee for hurricane response and preparedness. Uh, give us give us some some history and 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 if you will here on the Roger Franklin Williams show give us some insights into what how that experience has has impacted your legislative career. Well, absolutely. Well, first, it actually started with Hurricane Irma. Of course, on September 11th, we got impacted by Hurricane Irma, an unprecedented storm that not just hit a region, it hit the whole state and impacted pretty much the way we do life here and showed some of the good things that we're doing, but also provided a glimpse of our weaknesses throughout the state. And one of the weaknesses had to do with uh, power loss and restoration. And at, at early on, I was a harsh critic of the power companies when, when they were not doing moving fast enough to get power restored. I guess that caught the attention of, of our speaker when he created the Hurricane uh, Preparedness and Response Subcommittee, and he actually uh, uh, assigned me to that committee. And we've had over 20 hours of testimony of, of uh of information presented to us of what are the things that went well during these storms and what things did not go well. And just last week, we presented 78 different uh, new items, that recommendations that came out of the subcommittee that we will be addressing this legislative year to make sure that we are in Florida definitely prepared for the next storm. And this committee also, of course, we also were impacted by Maria, not directly by the storm, but the remnants of what happened when it hit the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and everybody that came here seeking help and relief. And you, know, you said I was uh, very early on, a, uh, I, I was able to identify and tell the governor about the things that were potentially going to happen and things that we needed to do to be prepared. Thankfully, the governor you know, took me to, to my, my the word in face value, and he acted upon many of those recommendations I did. Many of them had to do with the students that were going to be enrolled here. 11 of uh, 10,300 students have been enrolled now in Florida schools. And about over 300 people have come from Puerto Rico to Florida 
Many are probably not going to stay, but definitely created an impact to our state. And that was also because of the storm. So, in all, we are going to be ready for the next storm when it does happen. Now, I've, I think I've seen a uh, hurricane preparedness tax uh, abatement weekend is, uh, planned by the Florida House. Am, am I correct there for this session? That is correct. We are in the Ways and Means Committee that I am also uh, uh, looking forward to. I think we are actually maybe looking at multiple um, tax-free holidays for uh, hurricane preparedness. We want our people in Florida to really be prepared. You know, it, Like I said, the subcommittee did show uh, in areas that we were not prepared. And the best thing to do in when a hurricane is going to strike is for everybody to be prepared and that they can handle their own for a few days while everything normalizes. And and what are the other items that the uh, preparedness committee has has uh, spoken about in addition to the sales tax and the and how 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 do we get the power companies to be more ready to respond and more promptly? We are actually talking with the with the utility companies, and one of the things is that we're going to be working with them to make sure that they can. Uh, harden their systems more, undergrounding of utilities, uh, tree uh, issues, you know, pruning and, and maintenance of the areas that have power lines that the trees can interfere with these power lines. And also, uh, one flaw that we saw that, although it wasn't critical, it showed a weakness, is evacuation routes. We have uh, many evacuation routes. 75 was one of them that was critical, and it was uh, uh, pretty much stopped. Um, they were talking about using contraflow lanes, which is make all lanes going northbound. Um, we need to make sure that we can prepare our roadways if in one day we are going to utilize contraflow, that we can have our roadways prepare to handle contraflow. Right now, we are not ready for that. So those are the discussions moving forward. And I will say to you that, that uh, our constituents here locally uh, did speak with me about our uh, tree trimming. Issue simple and, and straightforward, but uh, obviously there is a, a a feeling in the community that the that the power companies need to be more aggressive in keeping keeping the trees back from the power lines. You're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, and our guest today uh, in the second half has been it is uh, State Representative Bob Cortez of the 30th House District here in, in Orange and Seminole Counties. We got about four minutes left before we're up on break, Representative. Uh, what what else is on, on your agenda? Is there more that we need to think about as far as hurricane preparedness is concerned? Well, you know, we, we need to know that it's not going to be if, it's when. We, we know that the next hurricane, we live in Florida, and we will be impacted maybe by something big, like what happened in Puerto Rico, or not, you know, just something that is, is going to be a, somewhat of a nuisance, but however, will impact our state one way or another. Uh, um, the, the chain of delivery of fuel is something that must be on the top of the list that, that cannot be interrupted, and those are things that we're working on to make sure that we have uh, depots to, to store fuel in case of natural disaster. So we've got a lot of work. We've identified. We've got a great manual that the committee put out. That is uh, very informative. It can be downloaded at uh, www.myfloridahouse.gov for everybody to see and has the recommendations also there moving forward. And, that, and we would find that then on, on, on the uh, website for the, for the select committee or just start with myfloridahouse.gov? It would be on the select committee for hurricane preparedness. So when they go to the webpage at My Florida House, click on committees. Okay. And then click on the select committee and the document uh, that we um, approved is there. Thank you very much. Uh, we got about two minutes left for the Roger Franklin Williams Show, Representative Cortez. Before we're up on our uh, on our next break, uh, what what else is is high on your your 
personal political agenda? Well, you know, we, we've got everything else that we've got the, the session going over. Uh, we are dealing with texting and driving. We just passed the texting and driving ban that is moving to the next uh, subcommittee. Uh, we did deal with the sanctuary cities on the House floor. Uh, the House is moving very well, moving along the Senate. Obviously, not as fast as the House. We, we, we passed on the first week a lot of good projects moving forward, and we will continue. Next week, we are going to be on the floor passing good legislation as we move forward. And, um, you know, we, we, we look forward to a great session. Um, hopefully the Senate will um, catch up to us a little bit and start passing some of the stuff that we've already sent to them. Well, uh, you know, that, that that's very hopeful, and, and that's usually the situation with the Senate, that uh, they are more deliberative. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes they tend to hold up uh, good House legislation. Representative, uh, what else is, what other bills have you got going. We've got about a minute left before we're on break. Sure. And because of the hurricane and because of the impact uh, uh, Puerto Rico has had in Central Florida and Florida as a whole, it also exposed a weakness that we had, which was lack of of housing, especially affordable housing. Uh, We had a shortage before the storm. We have a huge shortage now. It's getting even progressively worse. So I'm working on a bill that is more uh, to deal with some of the shortages, not to promote um, you know, the government getting involved into anything affordable housing, but to take away some of the, the, the detriments right now that is not producing developers to build affordable housing. And one of those is a waiver of impact fees right now that local governments charge, and some of them are very astronomical and deter developers from building. So we are tackling the uh, affordable housing issue. It's some of the stuff that's come from the work group recommendations for affordable housing and the governor's looking forward towards this also and you folks we are up on our uh, next break you're listening to the roger franklin williams show and our special guest this part of the show has been representative bob cortez and he'll be back in just a moment thank you Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Central Florida's connection to news, views, and interviews. Important to you. And this is my turn. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. The Roger Franklin Williams Show, as always, uh, this is Fred Brummer speaking to you. you. You could tell it wasn't Roger Williams, but the show, as always, is brought to you by Florida Door Solutions. The uh, Porky's Barbecue Restaurant, Dr. Patrick St. Germain and St. Germain Chiropractic. Our guest in this half or the final section of the Roger Franklin Williams show is is Representative Bob Cortez from the 30th District of the Florida House, which is in Orange and Seminole counties. Uh, Representative, uh, is there more that we need to look at uh, in addition to the to the to the affordable housing issue? What else do we need to look at for this type of uh, relocation that we're seeing from the uh, with uh, the U.S. citizens from Puerto Rico? Well, thankfully, the governor has has listened to many of our recommendations and put them in practice. So, even though we thought we were going to have a huge impact on the schools, which we have, I mean, ten thousand three hundred new students in all our Florida schools, particularly in our Central Florida area, our schools have been able to assimilate this well. And I'll explain why, uh, Fred. We, one of the things we knew we had a shortage on was on teachers, especially bilingual teachers. But one of the things I recommended to the governor was we have a great uh, pool of teachers coming from Puerto Rico here that have certificates, that have training, that speak the language, yet they would not be able to be employed under our current structure. But we did have already a law 
provisions that would allow them to get a certificate and then be able to be employed by uh, by the school district. And I understand, like, Orange County has employed over 60 new teachers that came from Puerto Rico. So the, the, the plan is that these folks are actually going to contribute to our economy. They are increasing our population. They are getting jobs. And they are buying cars. They're getting licenses. They're getting tags. And these are things that help our economy here in Florida. And if we move fast forward into the 2020, 22, 22 years when we do redistricting, remember, any increase in population will potentially give us one or two new Congress uh, men or women in, in Congress and, and representation that's probably going to be taken away from states like either Illinois or New York. And and these are, you know, these folks are, you know, born American citizens. And, you know, obviously, the as you've said, the, the positive political uh, excuse me, economic impact that they have had. And, and this was a discussion that we had at the time, uh, right after the storm. I spoke with several uh, major employers and trade associations regarding the number of folks that would be coming to the U.S., uh, to Central Florida. And I don't know that we've reached the, the numbers that, that I had previously forecast, but these are folks that, that are going to be available to work. These are trained and, and able workers. So it, it has had a positive impact on our on our stretched uh, job market. Folks are, folks are, uh, employers are still looking for more help, irrespective of the fact that, that many qualified people have gotten here from, from Puerto Rico. Another item that has been a real concern for years, Representative, has, has been the, the unfortunate situation with the state attorney in, in, in the Ninth Circuit. Would you want to discuss that particular issue? Sure, uh, Fred. And, you know, it's been no, no secret. On um, I've been a, a harsh critic of the state attorney ever since she made that dreaded comment in front of the courthouse on in March of last year, where she would not seek the death penalty in any in any uh, case moving forward. I mean, and especially on the Marquis Floyd case, which was one that we all know the killing of um, Deborah Clayton and, and the other officer was something that shook our community. So. Uh, since they won, I uh, asked the governor to start removing cases. The governor agreed, and uh, I think over 30 cases were removed from her. Obviously, she sued, went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court decided that she did not have an authority to not seek that penalty and reprimanded her and ordered her that she had to follow the law, the law that we in the legislature have set forward for her to follow. So since then, obviously, we know that she created this uh a death penalty review board that uh, has reviewed several cases, and three of them, have, they have decided to bring forward a death penalty case. I still have my concerns about that. And again, this week, I was um, uh, I sent a letter to the governor expressing those concerns and asking to remove one particular case, the case of uh, uh, Janice Zengatita Torres, which was murdered uh, at the beginning of January on a case of mistaken identity here, uh, a, a mother. Um, wife and daughter from Puerto Rico that was working here was murdered on a murder for hire plot and then on mistaken identity. So um, obviously they they, said, they they claim that they are following the law and that they would seek justice for the family. And that's the ultimate goal. That's exactly what I want. I want to make sure that they are following what we set up in, in statute and that the maximum penalty is seeked. Yeah, the maximum penalty, which in this case would be the death penalty because of at least four aggravating factors. My concern and why I've always criticized her and I don't trust her is that we saw with the case with Emerita Map, she missed the 45-day window, and instead of seeking the death penalty as she claimed she was, she uh, pled that case down to life in prison. 
And I fear that instead of seeking death penalty cases, that the, the review board will move to, to move them forward, but then she will plead these cases down because she can under her prosecutorial discretion and will not be seeking the maximum penalty as set forth by us. And and you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, and our guest is Representative Bob Cortez, representative for the 30th House District in, uh, that uh, covers parts of Orange and parts of Seminole County. Now, Representative, is is there a a possible is there a practical way that the governor can review each case uh, that 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 is uh, filed with the state's attorney to make sure that that this forty five day uh, quote unquote uh, error doesn't recur. Uh, something that will provide the the uh, residents and citizens of of the Ninth Circuit the the assurance that that the state's attorney will uh, uh, comply with the state law. Well, I, I mean, obviously, her her mistakes have gotten the attention of not just the, the the governor, but the attorney general's office and the general counsel, and they are following her cases uh, very. Vividly, and remember, many of the cases that were reassigned are being handled either by uh, the Sixth uh, Circuit, which is Brad King, and some are even being uh, assigned to the uh, statewide prosecutor. So um, the the cases are continuing to move forward. The governor is uh, definitely looking forward, looking down to make sure that justice is served. And, and at the end of the day, if the state attorney does her job and and seeks the maximum penalty and does have convictions and lets the jury decide whether a person who does fit the criteria under state law deserves so, you know, life in prison or the death penalty. It's the jury's decision, not hers. Right. And and regarding, for instance, uh, uh, Attorney Brad King, State Attorney Brad King, is the legislature providing additional funding for those uh, districts that are that are getting the additional burden for the uh, uh, death penalty cases that have, that have had to be removed from the Ninth Circuit? That is correct. Yes, the, the the appropriations that was done last year was in the appropriations uh, from judiciary. They they did assign money for these cases, and you know throughout the law and throughout the districts, there's always money assigned to handle this. So usually the money follows the case, so to speak. And in this case, all the cases that are being handled by the by the different uh, district attorneys, the funding follows that case. Okay, so so we're not. It's not that we're just shifting the burden there from the Ninth Circuit to the other circuit uh, and not providing necessary funding for the state's attorney. That's correct. Okay. Right. That's correct. Yeah. No, the funding is is being provided to the circuit that's handling the case. And and so we've got about four minutes left, Representative. What else is that that that, that that's on top of Representative Cortez's uh, legislative agenda. Well, you know, it's it's so many things that we have. We have we have filed the bills that we filed. We're getting through the appropriations process. We had a um, a pro uh, consumer towing bill that's moving through the legislature, House Bill uh, 963, which actually seeks to preempt local governments from charging additional fees when your car gets a cost to tow for some reason, especially uh, we had some cities that were charging an additional $500 fee when you got arrested for either DUI or suspended license. In addition to having to pay for a tow bill, the cities were charging this exorbitant uh, fine, so to speak. They were calling it a fee, and uh, we are seeking to ban that practice statewide. And there were several cities throughout the state that is doing that. And of course, they have been uh, uh, critical about us trying to pass laws like that. But at the end of the day, these are the charges that are being passed on to consumers that nobody likes to have their car towed. But it's even worse when they have their car towed and it's the only means of transportation and they'll cost them six, seven hundred dollars to get it out when 
uh, usually it's just a tow bill to get it out. So, and I will I will testify when I was on the Orange County Commission that uh, uh, Representative Bob Cortez. Uh, work diligently for the individuals, for the folks who have had their cars towed, not for the towing companies, irrespective of the fact that he is a uh, a towing company expert and a towing company owner, but he worked diligently for in the situation that we had uh, had to address in Orange County uh, to protect the uh, car owners on a particular item. Representative, we, we got about two minutes left on the Roger Franklin Williams show. So what else what else is there in addition to uh, the, uh, the the towing bill? And to your credit, uh, Fred, it's uh, it's legislation that came out of your commis- commission um, that started in Orange County. Uh, Orange County was one of the first ones to put a cap on booting, and there was uh, several. You know, back in '08, I know there was like a Coca-Cola truck that got booted, and they wanted four hundred dollars in uh, in Orlando. So we went and did uh, legislation through the city of Orlando, Orange County, and all the other counties surrounding it that limited how much you can charge for booting. This bill also now does that statewide. We're going statewide with a cap on how much these folks can charge to boot a car. And uh, it, it takes away that financial incentive also. The other item that, that, that's been, and this we've only got a few moments left, but that, that comes up that's similar to that is the uh, is this, uh, red light cameras. Uh, there's another attempt to repeal red light cameras. Where do you, where, what do you predict on that in 45 seconds? Again, we, we banned it already. We passed that uh, red light camera repeal in the, in the House in the first uh, uh, session, the first week of session. It has been sent to the Senate. We hope that the Senate do, does take it up and does repeal red light cameras uh, throughout the state. Um, it's up to them. We've done a lot of legislation that we already passed. We're just waiting on the Senate. And Representative Cortez, I would like to say thank you very much for you spending your, your busy uh, ske- putting us in your busy schedule today and, and being on the Roger Franklin Williams show. Uh, folks, uh, keep in mind that uh, Representative Cortez's discussion today was also brought to you by Florida Door Solutions, Porky's Barbecue Restaurant, Dr. Patrick St. Germain, and the St. Germain Chiropractic Clinic. Have a good afternoon. <laughs>